This week on the Dream Set Achieve podcast, we are talking about what research has proven to be the number one indicator of future success, and that is grit. So we're going to get down and dirty, talk about ways to improve the chances of your daughter developing grit, and we're also going to talk about a very practical and helpful tool that will enable her to develop grit as she grows older in order to face a culture filled with the expectation of instant gratification. So without further ado, let's jump in and see what we can do to make sure our kids are as successful as they can possibly be. Let's get started. Hey, sweet friend, I'm Amanda Doherty, family life coach and founder of Dream, Set, Achieve, where I partner alongside amazing moms just like you who are in the throes of raising a teenage daughter. I hope that this podcast and all the resources on the Dream, Set, Achieve website will encourage, challenge, and motivate you to navigate the toughest issues surrounding raising an adolescent head on. You've got this, Mom, and I'm here to help. This is the Dream, Set, Achieve podcast. Hey, Dream, Set, Achievers. Happy Monday and happy August. We have finally hit this home stretch of summer before we start to launch into the intensity of another school year. And I know some of you are looking at this month with anticipation. Some of you may be sobbing into a pillow right now. Either way, I'm not judging. I think there's a mix of feelings that goes into a new school year. There's so many possibilities of success. There's so many mixed feelings about the previous year and how that might be kind of carrying baggage into this next year. We've talked about that. And essentially what we've done this last month together, which I can't believe it's already been a month. This is the fourth podcast that we have launched with Dream Set Achieve. And I'm just really pleased with the turnout and with the community that we've built around this podcast and this platform already. And I cannot wait to see where this launches us into next. But we've talked about planning for the last month, how to cast vision for your daughter, how to help take inventory of the baggage we had from last year so we can walk boldly into this next year. And we've talked about boundaries and expectations and routines. And today we're going to talk about something that's much broader, and that is the concept of grit. And before I jump into that, what I really want to do is to just take a moment and pray with you because I think there are so many mixed feelings. And I know some of you listening to this right now have a whole lot of anticipation for the next year, but you may or may not be holding your breath already wondering what this year is going to look like and how your daughter is going to succeed or not succeed. And you may be very fearful of that. And so what I'd like to do is just pray for a moment. So if you'll pray with me, please keep your eyes open if you are driving to work or wherever you are on your way, but just know that I am praying for you and on your behalf and that God is listening in this moment. So Lord Jesus, thank you for this incredible opportunity that we have to just pause on a Monday morning or a Monday afternoon or a Monday evening and talk to you about the fears that we have about this coming school year to hand over the reins of everything that we could possibly try to control as this year begins and then progresses. And Lord, as you navigate the story you've already written, Lord, help us to hold the faith that you have already gone ahead of our kids and that you have established a path and a way for them that is for their good and for your glory. And so God, I just pray that this conversation and this morning, we would have peaceful hearts, that you would just be so present in this conversation and that this research that has been completed will just bear fruit in ways that we could never imagine and maybe give and shed a little bit more hope on the direction that we can pursue this coming year. So I pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So without further ado, let's talk about grit. 
The concept of grit has gone viral these past five years, especially in the world of psychology and education. And so what we always want to do in this program is to shed light on what's going on academically and psychologically so that you can apply those same concepts at home in ways that make sense to you. Again, I will never be the one that tells you this is how you should develop grit in your daughter or these are the six tried and true methods of getting her from point A to point B. You know your daughter more than anyone. And you could probably look at her right now and think to yourself, honestly, how much grit does my daughter have? And what grit do we need to develop to get her the motivation she needs to get to the level of success that she is hoping and dreaming for? So what is grit? Grit is just this combination of two major contributors. It is a combination of passion, which let's be honest, every teenage girl has plenty of passion in her repertoire. She is passionate about everything. That's why every tantrum and argument you have gets so explosive and so overly emotional is because passion is there. She has that passion that is not something you are having to work very hard to achieve. However, the second one is pretty difficult and that is perseverance. So it, again, grit is the combination of passion and perseverance. And one of those comes naturally, the other one does not. It takes work, it takes the ability to look back, take inventory and look forward and start moving ahead, unafraid of failure because you know that it's going to get you one step closer towards the level of achievement and success that you're wanting. And so the person who has really spearheaded the research behind grit is a woman named Angela Lee Duckworth. And she is a psychologist who is currently working at the University of Pennsylvania. She began this whole journey as a middle school teacher teaching math in a New York school district. And what she realized, as many teachers do, is that she's looking at this group of students she's been entrusted with that year. She's given the standardized test scores from the previous year. She's likely given things like the IQ test. And so she knows on paper which students have the highest indication of success. However, when we come down to the practical day-to-day, -day, the students with the highest level IQ or the student with the best test scores are not the students who go on to make incredible changes all the time. Some of them absolutely do. But there are students who are way lower on the IQ scale or who have terrible testing standards. And those students go on to be just as successful, if not more successful, than their higher achieving IQ peers. And so teachers know this. Parents know this. You look at your own kids and you can compare them quite differently. My family is no exception to this rule. I am the oldest child in my family. I am three and a half years older than my brother and sister who are twins. They are fraternal twins. So I went on to go on to college. I was a humanitarian at heart. My heart was always in ministry. I very much had the same passion and fire for serving other people as my mother. And so that is the trajectory in life I pursued. My sister is an incredibly hard worker. She is a trailblazer in the realm of women because she is a biologist who focuses on stream ecology. And so she goes out in the field with the guys at a moment's notice, she lives probably outside more than she does inside, and she has this incredible desire for preserving and understanding nature, which is very much like my father. And then you have my brother. <laughs> my brother just graduated from Cornell with a PhD in biomedical engineering. And so when you look at the three of us, if we all had to just kind of sit down, yes, one of us clearly had a higher IQ than the rest of us. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which one. 
I know, I know. It's probably me. It's, it's my brother. My brother has taken that from the beginning. He was given an oversized brain, but he was also gifted with the gift of perseverance. And so he had that rare combination of passion, perseverance, and ability that he's able to just take off and take names because he is going into this new venture just this year after being in college for the last 100 years, I think. And he's ready to start working. And there are not that many people who can say that they have a PhD from an elite Ivy League school in something as challenging as biomedical engineering. And then you look at my sister, who I honestly think as a woman, it has got to be impossibly difficult sometimes to get up and go to work out in the field, backpacking through the countryside with a group and team of men. It's got to be so impossibly hard to do that, but she does it without batting an eye. That is something that she has pushed herself to do since she was young. She has always had this curiosity that has never been able to be held back. And there are days where she has had to call me at times saying, I'm not sure I'm up to this. Do you think I'm capable of it? Or I'm really struggling here. Or please encourage me or anything. She's called me for those moments of encouragement. And it's not because she doesn't have that passion or perseverance. It's because she, in many ways, was quite different than my brother. My brother had a plan and God forbid if something got in his way, he would just bulldoze straight over it until he achieved the dream that he had in mind for himself. My sister was a little bit more timid. She's very much like me in the sense that we move forward as fast as we possibly can once we know the trajectory that we're going. But there's always moments of disclarity where we're looking and like, I'm not really sure what my next steps are going to be. And so I personally am the one that's constantly looking back and looking forward and evaluating and seeing where am I now? Where should I be? Where have I been? Where am I going? And so being in a ministry role that I've been in for the past 10 years in various capacities as a teacher and as a youth leader and as a person who is on staff at a church, many of my challenges are, are quite unique because the church is probably the most unpredictable pathway in career-wise, especially for women. And so when you look at the three of us, we were all successful in drastically different ways. And while one of us was blessed with a slightly higher IQ than the rest of us, all three of us ended up exactly where we intended and needed to be. And that speaks a lot to the way that my own parents have raised the three of us. And when I look at those two, my parents, my mom and dad, Lyndon and Hugh Long, what I really see is that the two things that they raised us to always understand and fight for was the ability to get up and dust off our feet or our knees when we fell down and the ability to move forward in the direction that God was pointing us to. And so passion and perseverance were their sole parenting source. If you ask them today, what were the two things you wanted your kids to learn by the time they graduated and went off to college, what would it be? They would tell you it's passion and perseverance, the ability to keep moving with an understanding that you have a responsibility to use whatever gifts you've been given to the absolute best of your ability. So that is something that I can always attribute to my mother and my father for because they raised three amazing kids. I gotta tell you, really special people here. <laughs> but ultimately, we do need to pause and say what caused them to be a success story for all three kids because that's not always the case. And I hope that however many kids that God entrusts me with, right now it's only one, but I'm already looking at him and wondering sometimes, am I pushing him to be what God is creating him to be? Am I building up this culture in my home that's going to allow him to build passion and perseverance? I don't know. And that weighs very heavily on me. I know it weighs heavily on you. And so what I wanted to share with you was the research behind this concept of grit because I think it might take away some of the vagueness of what exactly we're trying to accomplish on a daily basis when we're trying to motivate our kids. So 
The concept that she really started chasing after, and again, this is Angela Lee Duckworth, after teaching for several years, what she wanted to do was to go back and understand the motivational and psychological perspective behind student success. So rather than just looking at IQ and measures and, and the development and ability of the brain, what she really wanted to understand was what motivates kids to do the absolute best that they can. And so she did research all over the country. She went down to West Point and she studied students to make predictions of whether or not they were going to continue with their military training or if they would drop out. She went on to study contestants of the National Spelling Bee and made predictions of which ones would stay in the competition the longest. She took a lot of studies on rookie teachers, so brand new teachers who are fresh out of college and being sent to these incredibly challenging districts and neighborhoods and predicting whether those particular teachers were going to stay or if they were going to find another career path or go to a different neighborhood entirely. So the amount of research she did was very broad. It was in almost every single field. She even went to a whole lot of business corporations and asked the question, which of these people that you just recruited are going to stay over a year and which ones are going to leave. And what she realized and what then progressed into a, an even more intense study over at the University of Stanford is this concept of grit that we mentioned. And grit is simply the passion and the perseverance to achieve long-term goals. It's thinking of life as a marathon and not as a sprint. And I got to tell you, as a teacher of middle school and high school students, the immediate gratification of their lives, especially in the culture that you are raising them to live in, when I was growing up at their age, I was downstairs in my parents' basement trying to get AIM to load and trying to hear, I can still hear the AOL login screen on our, on our phone line because it, it's wedged into my memory because I remember how much of a big deal it was to have access to this much information. And now I look at these kids who have more information in their back pocket on their phone than NASA had to launch the space shuttle to the moon in 1969, when I think about how this culture is driving them to understand and desire and expect instant gratification, Amazon Prime, we did not grow up with that. These guys are growing up in an age when they can literally click on something and have it delivered to their door the next day, almost for free shipping. And so that is the culture they are growing up in. So when we're talking about that long-term goal, how do we develop and nurture and foster this culture that enables them to see past the instant and move on into what choices and decisions are going to set me up for success when I'm 80 years old? What pathway in life is going to help build me up to be the most effective steward of my resources when I'm an adult, once I've passed college, when I'm thinking beyond the next five to 10 years of my life? Because it is very, very, very hard for a student in middle school and high school to think past the concept of even getting into college because that's kind of where it kind of goes black. They know what their major is going to be and then they from there they kind of freeze and then they get to college and they're thinking well I know what my major is but now what do I do with it once I get out of here and that's where you see that deer in the headlights expression because they have not had that practice of looking long term well past college well past the beginnings of their family well past onto the ending years of their lives where they can honestly look back and measure, was this the way that God intended me to steward the resources he granted me with? Did I steward my ability to work hard? Did I steward the passion that he planted in my heart from beginning of time? Did I steward my ability to get up and shake the dust off my knees when I fell down and keep going? And that's what the culture 
we have to create in our homes for our kids because that will not be the culture that the world is trying to set up for them. So how do we do that? So back to the study I mentioned, we're going to talk for just a minute about this idea of growth mindset, and this plays so deeply into this concept of grit. So growth mindset is another idea that came from Stanford University, and this is being spearheaded by Dr. Dweck. And this is the simple belief, and it's, I say simple, I mean, it's being studied at, at uh, Stanford, and it's, there's a, an enormous amount of research behind this. I have linked to a lot of this research in the show notes if you'd like to pursue this yourself. But the growth mindset is the idea or the belief that the ability to learn is not fixed. Rather, it can be changed by your effort. So one of the most jarring moments of my career as an educator, back when I was teaching in Wilmington, North Carolina, I was giving a parent-teacher conversation at the very beginning of the year, just one of those, hey, come and meet the teachers and see the classroom and get whatever resource list you need to get, and then we'll see you in a week, right? It was one of those situations, and there was one young woman who walked right behind her father, and her father was just got this big salesman grin on his face. You can kind of tell when there's like this, I've got, I'm, I'm really wanting you to see that I'm important here. So he walked up to me and he had this very important grin on his face. And I'm thinking, okay, here we go. And I'm looking at the girl who's kind of hiding behind her father, very much literally in his shadow. And she's smiling politely at me, but she's also very wary. And he looks at me and he says, this is my daughter. She's never been good at the academics. She's not book smart. She's going to struggle in here. And I just need you to be aware of that before she gets going. And my heart kind of stopped. Because in that moment, I realized that this daughter's future was determined by her father and her ability to grow and to learn and to adapt past a struggle that she was having had already been closed. That opportunity had been closed to her because her father had made it very clear that her future was entirely dependent on the success she had proven in the past. He was convinced that failure was a permanent condition for his daughter. And I gotta tell you, that whole year, do you know what my one goal with that student was? I did not care if she knew Robespierre from Napoleon. I could care less. What I wanted to make sure she knew was that her future was not predetermined by her previous failures. And that's the gospel, isn't it? That our past failures do not determine the trajectory of our future. That that past is dead to us. And the beauty about the way that God designed our minds and our brains and our abilities is that he developed in us the same type of refinement. That once we believe in our hearts that there is the possibility of change, that we can shed off our old life, that we can step into this new future where we believe that we were created for a purpose, that we were equipped for a purpose, and that we have a goal that we can chase after 100 miles an hour because God set that trajectory ahead of us. Once we believe that, we can cast off the failures of our past, we can learn from them, and then we can move forward with a whole new fire in our belly, right? That was the only thing I wanted her to learn that year, and I really hope, I hope, I hope, and I know that this year she is going to be a junior in high school, and I am really praying and hoping for her that she remembers that her past does not define her future, and that where she's standing right now does not determine her future success. Again, what all this research comes down to, the sum of it all comes down to the fact that the greatest indicator of future success is this concept of grit, is this concept of passion and perseverance, nothing else. 
not socioeconomic status, not race, not age, not family lifestyle, not trauma. None of that matters. What all comes down to is the ability for a child to believe wholeheartedly that she is capable of doing things in her future because she can learn from her mistakes in her past and that her future is not already defined as a failure. That is what grit is. And if you can tell there's a bit of passion going on behind me, I'm behind this microphone right here, you're, you're definitely right. This is something that just gets me on fire. This is why I entered into the world of education in the first place. This is why I entered into the world of coaching. Because I need you to hear me, sweet friend. Your daughter is not stuck in this permanent situation. You might be in a stage of your life right now where you are looking at her and wondering, where is she going? But the beauty of this moment is that God does not waste anything. He is using this moment, if it is a moment of struggle, if it is a moment of testing, if it is a moment of failure, God will use that if you offer it to him and if she learns to offer it to him herself. God's going to use that for an incredible tomorrow. You have to believe that yesterday does not define her tomorrow, but it will shape it if you allow it to. So that is my deepest, deepest hope. And that's the motivation for why I'm going to step into this. So I like to talk about the research behind this stuff. I like to talk about the concepts. I really do. I think it's very interesting. I think it's valuable for parents to have access to information like this. But really what it comes down to is we have a big job ahead of us, (laughs) don't we? Because to develop kids who have grit, we have to develop grit in ourselves, don't we? We cannot expect them to pick themselves up by their bootstraps and move forward. Are there some who are naturally inclined to do that? Yes. I honestly believe that my brother Daniel, if he had been born to any other family, would have been just as driven and would have found his way exactly to where he wanted to be as a PhD student at Cornell. But for the majority of us, if we were shaped by different influences, if we were placed in a family that was more challenging, if we were placed in a family that did not care as much, so much of our future was determined and shaped by the parents that led us in that direction. And can we work in spite of our parents? Yes, we can. Can they work in spite of us? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Yes, they can. But we are a major influence, and we've been given the opportunity to steward this time with our daughters and with our sons. And when we utilize this time and develop the ability to have grit in our own lives as we parent them, that is going to influence how much they believe that they can pick themselves up, step forward, knowing that they have failure in their past, but move forward knowing that there is a possible future for them if they continue to move forward on the path God is placing in front of them. So how do we create a culture or an environment where our students can develop this grit? I've got four steps for you. Number one, we have to allow them to take their strongest ideas and test them. What are the things they are most passionate about? What are the greatest ideas that they have that's just bubbling out of them, this passion that they cannot stop talking about, that they really want to start applying now and not wait 10 years down the road. What are those things? We have to create an environment where they're allowed to take their ideas and test them. We have to make them lifelong learners where they're not afraid to try to chase after the things that they really care about. If we create this culture of fear that, oh gosh, you need to pay careful, you need to play it cautious. If we create that kind of culture, they're never going to have the strength or ability to step into college and take risk because success requires risk. Freedom and knowing who you are in Christ requires risk, which is why we also say it requires faith. So in one, we have to make them lifelong learners and risk takers. Number two, 
they have to be able to measure whether or not they've been successful. They need the skill to look back at their failures and to use those failures to move and motivate and push them forward. They have to know that their past means something. Number three, we have to be willing to allow them to fail or be wrong. One of the most practical ways of doing this is just to allow natural consequences to play their course. So many times as parents, we are driven to maybe intervene or step in to a situation if our kids start to dig a hole for themselves that they're about to fall into. And yes, we are required to stand by and make sure that they don't dig themselves into a hole that they cannot possibly climb out of, but they don't know that they're able to climb until they've given themselves the chance. So allow natural consequences to play their course. If they miss an assignment at school, let them take care of it themselves. Don't rush it to school. If they forget their lunch one day, they will not die by losing their lunch for one day. They'll remember it the next day that they need to bring their lunch. Those natural consequences are going to shape their ability to persevere, to move forward, to learn from their mistakes, and to push forward knowing that they've learned from that previous mistake. And finally, we need to set up a culture where they can get up and try again after learning the lessons that they needed to learn. We can't just allow failure to just rock them and make them feel that they are less valued. We need to be their greatest cheerleaders in the good moments, but also even more so in the bad. Because the fact that they took a chance and they moved forward trying is something that is worth celebrating. So we need to develop the ability to help them process through things that did not go so well and help them understand and apply that knowledge in the future. So it's almost like you're creating this culture where they are allowed to learn and fail simultaneously while applying what they've learned to their next step. You're constantly asking them what went well, how can we move forward, what's the next step for you right now? That culture is going to develop grit in your daughter that you could not have imagined had you just gone on and done your normal day to day. And those steps that we just mentioned, the ability to take our strongest ideas and just test them out and measure whether we're successful and to fail if necessary and to learn from those mistakes, those four steps that we just talked about, we have to be willing to do that for ourselves as well. Because if we're not, it's going to be a lot more work for them to learn those steps themselves. It'll be a lot easier for them to see it come from us first. So that's my challenge to us first. Sweet friend, you have a future. It is not defined as failure. As you go into this next school year, you and your daughter need to believe 100% that God did not destine you for failure. He did not create you to become a failure. He did not create you so that all of your mistakes define you. You are free from that. So live like it. Live like it. Develop the grit. Those of us who believe that Christ came and saved us should be the ones who have the most grit of all. I look at so many of my Christian brothers and sisters and wonder, why are you so timid? What is keeping you from taking the next step forward? And I don't have an answer for that. But what I do know is that God never once says just sit down and get comfortable. No, he says get dirty. Get your hands dirty. Go. That's what he says constantly. Go. Go, go, go. And this might be your invitation to get up and go. Do not allow the past year to define the future that God is enabling you to have this year. I am so excited to see what he does in your life. And before I send you off, I've got some action steps for you. Number one, we've talked about this already. Model, 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 model. Test your own grit. Develop it yourself. Make that process as transparent as you can in front of your daughter so she can see a strong, independent, capable mom and friend and wife moving forward with grit so that she can see firsthand experience of what that looks like and how she can copy and mimic that in her own future. 
Number two, we're going to get our pom-poms and we are going to cheerlead our kids on in all of the successes of their lives, but we are also going to cheer them through the hardest ones, especially if there's something that they took a risk in and tried really hard. We're going to be the first people out the door saying, way to go. You did your absolute best. Let's have some ice cream and talk about what happened. So cheerleading, we need to cheer our kids on in the good and the bad. We need to take those successes and project them forward with that momentum. But if there's something that is a failure or a stumbling block, we need to acknowledge it and we need to help them get off of the ground and move forward again. The third action step is to find some kind of planning tool that will help your daughter look backward, measure her success, come up with the next steps and the next goals that she's going to go after and write it down. She needs the tools and ability and the skills to learn how to go after the dreams that she has been planted in her heart. And she needs the ability to be able to look back and actually see physical evidence of growth or physical evidence of defeat so that she can adjust her trajectory and move forward even more effectively. Now, there are so many planning tools on the market. I've got to just talk to you about a few of these. I nerd out about these pretty darn bad. So there are a ton of online sources here. I'm personally very familiar with a few. I write for a freelance marketing company. And so in that program, we all use something called Asana. And Asana is a super easy management tool. It breaks things down into individual tasks. You can have a due date. You can mark your progress as you go. So that's a super helpful one. Trello, probably my favorite online planning tool. Google Calendar, it's practical, it's helpful, but it's not going to teach her the skills or equip her to plan. It's going to do that for her. So I think in many ways, until you understand how to plan effectively, Google Calendar can in very many ways just be a crutch. So those are the online programs. I am always, always, always going to be a fan of the offline version, and that is just the simple paper planner. This creation has been around since Adam and Eve. I'm pretty sure when God created man and woman, she was born with a planner in her hand. (laughs) We as women love planners, but there's always that awkward stage when we're younger where we have no idea how to use it. And why am I going to be such a big proponent of a paper planner? Well, one, it's going to teach her the ability to plan. Google Calendar is convenient, but it is a crutch. It will not teach her how to look and set goals for herself and measure progress along the way. It's not going to inform her in ways that if she jots these things down in the past year, that if she looks back and actually sees progress moving forward, that she is on the right path to success. Google Calendar doesn't do that, but a planner does. In fact, I would be so bold to say that a planner is the single most helpful planning system, which trains her in the mindset of time management and resource management. Hopping straight to an online platform, yes, they're helpful, they're convenient, but they take the skill away from her. Once she has developed that skill of planning, when she's had a a paper planner in her hands for a few years, then sure, go on to any other online platform you want. I use all of them. I use a mix of all of them. Literally, I use HubSpot, Trello, Asana, Google Calendar, and I have a life planner, and I have a business planner, and I have a content planner. I have planners galore and I have research and I have opinions about all of them. In fact, I'm designing my own planner at the moment. You may have heard of it. It is the Dream Set Achieve Life Planner. And that planner in itself has been remarkable in the lives of young women already. I just received a testimonial two days ago from a previous student. Mrs. Doherty, I remember when you told me these three things. I remember I looked at you and thought you were absolutely crazy. But I decided to take a chance on a life planner and said, and I am so glad I did. I am already ready and feeling equipped for August 25th, 
to start because that is when school starts for me. And I brought tears to my eyes because this was somebody who absolutely did not believe in planning tools at all. In fact, in many ways, she reminded me of me. My first detention of all time, probably my only detention, was when I was actually forging my parents' signature on my planner every single day because I just didn't understand the point in using it. So I just kept it in my locker, and my teacher checked to see that all of us had gotten our planners signed, and I just forged my parents' signature probably for six months straight before I finally got busted on it. And that was simply because I didn't understand what they were handing me. I didn't understand the purpose. I didn't understand the big picture of what a planner could do for me. But after years, and I didn't mean years, I wish that somebody had stepped in and said, hey, this is how you use this tool. Hey, this is how you can use this to continuously measure how you're doing and to adjust the trajectory of your life so that you're always on the right path towards the successful dreams you want to achieve. I would have killed for someone to tell me how to use that thing, but instead I was just writing my homework assignments. Super helpful, right? Not so much. So this life planner is way more than that. It gives her all the ability to see the big picture of her day from all the elements, her sports, her church, her family life, all of those things are integrated into the same life planner so she can see the big picture of her time. She can understand how to steward her time most effectively so that she can be successful in all of the different hats that she's having to wear as a young woman. Because you and I both know as women, the number of hats does not go down. It only increases. And so the younger that she can learn this trait, the younger that she can learn this skill, the more she is going to be able to intentionally do those things we talked about in this episode. And that is, again, taking chances on the ideas that are passionate to her and looking back to see if they've been successful and pushing forward with a plan that is going to drive her goals and drive her passions in a direction that will achieve her long-term dreams. This tool is a simple and very easy way to get her towards the levels of grit that are required to get her on the road to success. I believe in it 100%. In fact, I'm currently recording this podcast at 1130 at night and I've got two planners to create and print out and cut and piece together before I call it a night and I've got a toddler in the next room who's ready to wake me up at 6.30 in the morning, but I don't regret a minute of it. Why? Because I believe in it. I believe in it. And if you yourself have had the benefit of using a planner and seeing how it can really change the trajectory of your goals and of your motivations and of your passions and of your time and of your resources, then you know that this tool can be life-changing to your daughter. So I don't care what planner you get. I don't care if it's the $5 special at Target. I don't care if it's the school planner. Well, please just don't get the school planner. Just the total bias there. But find a planner that's going to work for her. And at the very least, give our planner a look and see if it's the right thing for her because it's going to give her, it's because it's designed specifically for teenage, middle school, and high school young women in mind. And it has all the different pieces and reminders. It's got habit trackers. It's got goal sheets. It's got all these things that I think are going to really benefit her this year and take a lot of the passion that she currently is pending up over the summer and it's going to shift that into motivation and drive and grit. So again, this is all I've got for you this week. I hope that you leave encouraged knowing that you are not destined for failure this year, that this concept of failure is not permanent and that at any moment, at any moment, If you decide to take a step in another direction or if you decide that it's time for your daughter to move in a different direction, that that moment can happen today. I know that. I hope you know that. And I will continue to remind you in every single episode from here that your past does not determine your future. You have a new hope and a new life. And I am so excited to walk that life with you. So until next time, 
I'm Amanda Doherty. This is Dream Set Achieve, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next Monday.